Good morning. It's October the 18th, Wednesday, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm John David Walt. This is your wake-up call. Let's get going. Let's pray together this morning. Just locating ourselves before our ascended Lord Jesus Christ. He's not far off. He is at the right hand of God, and yet he's just through the veil with us. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, I'm the one you are looking for. Our text is Acts chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. Two Holy Spirit communiques. That's how we got in on the gospel. An unsuspecting, God-fearing Roman centurion and a Galilean professional fisherman received the respective messages and responded accordingly, and here we, Gentile Christians, are. The consequences of simple obedience are stunning. It is one thing to start with this story at hand and work our way downstream to the present day. It's even more interesting to think our way back upstream. For instance, how did Cornelius become Cornelius? How did Peter become Peter? Think of all the influences, all the relationships, all the formative interactions in their past, and all the ways they were challenged and encouraged across their lives to bring them to these most crucial moments recorded in the 10th chapter in the Acts of the Apostles. 
I like to think of all the seeds sown into their complex lives that shaped them into the people who were awake when their moment arrived. For every Acts 10 story like this one, there are hundreds of stories of perhaps equally spectacular yet unsung obedience that make up the backstory we can only imagine. It reminds me of the story of the great Edward Kimball. You remember him, right? The year was 1858. The place, Boston, Massachusetts. Edward was a young Sunday school teacher teaching a group of younger students. He was concerned about one of them. He went to the shoe store where he worked and found him stocking shelves. On that day, he led this student to place his faith in Jesus Christ. It turned out to be Dwight L. Moody, who went on to become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Moody once preached in a tiny chapel in the British Isles and told the story of Edward Kimball. The message deeply impacted the pastor of the little church, Frederick Meyer. On a trip to America, Fred preached a sermon which led J. Wilbur Chapman to answer God's calling on his life. Wilbur recruited a volunteer to help him set up for a series of evangelistic crusades. His name was Billy Sunday, and he went on to become a powerful evangelist. Sunday was holding a crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of Christian Businessmen were inspired to keep it going. They invited Mordecai Ham to come and lead another series of meetings. It's 1932 by now, by the way. A local farmer would load up his pickup truck with whoever wanted to come and bring them to the meetings. One of them was a 16-year-old boy who would end up giving his life to Jesus on the last night of the meetings. His name was Billy Graham. The great Edward Kimball is the great, insert your name here, true greatness comes from a humble life of simple obedience, always doing the next good, right, God thing. I want to remind you of something today, Sower. You are right here and right now, today, a strategic player in a developing story that could be years and even decades from unfolding in the fullness of its significance. You never quite know at the time what could be happening just beneath the surface of simple obedience. I love Peter's word to the party of three sent by Cornelius to find him. I'm the one you're looking for. I want you to practice saying those words. I'm the one you're looking for. Start by saying them to Jesus today. I'm the one you're looking for. Carry them into your daily life and ponder them as you encounter people and situations. Remind yourself of these words, I'm the one you're looking for. 
Listen for the whispering guidance of the Spirit. We are human beings and yet divine actors. We are playing the humble parts of a supernatural cast in the divine story of Jesus here and now. Growing up, I remember always seeing a magnet my mom kept on the refrigerator. Its message stuck with me. This is not a dress rehearsal. That's what the magnet said. This is not a dress rehearsal. And you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray our prayer of transformation today. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary. For the glory of God, our Father. Amen. And the question, I want you to take a minute and look back upstream in your life. Think about the people who had little idea of the influence and impact they would have on your own life and story. And today, we're going to sing a hymn. We're going to sing number 83, Come Ye Thankful People, Come. That's from our seedbed hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise, number 83. Come, ye thankful people, come. It's a harvest song, and and of course, we're in harvest season, at least where I am. The harvest is, is almost all in now. There's still some cotton in the field, few fields of soybeans here and there, but it's a joyous season of harvest. So we're going to sing this hymn today, number 83. Come, ye thankful people, come, raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, ere the winter storms begin. God our Maker doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come, raise the song of harvest home. All the world is God's own field, 
fruit unto his praise to yield, wheat and tares together sown, unto joy or sorrow grown, first the blade and then the ear, then the full corn shall appear, Lord of harvest, grant that we wholesome grain and pure may be. For the Lord our God shall come and shall take his harvest home. From his field shall in that day all offenses purge away. Give his angels charge at last in the fire the tares to cast, but the fruitful ears to store in his garner evermore. Even so, Lord, quickly come to thy final harvest home. Gather thou thy people in, free from sorrow, free from sin. There forever purified, in thy presence to abide. Come with all thine angels, come. Raise the glorious harvest home. Amen. I haven't sang that hymn in quite a long time. <laughs> it's full of all the feels of fall, isn't it? And thanksgiving and harvest and the bounty of God. My goodness. Well, it is Wednesday. You know, this this whole thing, this whole story today, these words from Peter, I'm the one you are looking for. In the upstream and the downstream and the fact that we're all playing parts, if we're paying attention, right? If we're if we're actually waking up, rising from the dead, receiving the shine of the Spirit of God. He's right there, and sometimes people think, well, I don't know if I'm hearing anything. I don't. It's like you make it too complicated. This can be very, very simple. It's probably way more simple than you realize. You're probably hearing things all the time, but you're just not awake enough to say, you know, I'm going to trust that impression is from the Lord, and I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to overanalyze it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to doubt myself. Actually, I'm going to become self-forgetful, and I'm just going to playfully trust in God in my daily interactions. It reminds me of when I was, um, I think I was probably late college, and I was going to a pretty good-sized church in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Central Methodist Church was the church at the time. And they had put these things in the pew racks. And I don't know why, late in my college career, I dared to even fill out one of these things. But it was one of these little cards, little forms that said, you want to adopt 
a family, you know, here in the church or have a family adopt you. You know, you're away from your family and it's good to have a a family away from your family. I don't know why, but I filled it out. And the next thing you know, I start to get a call from it turns out to be a man who worked at the church. He was a retired army man and he was the church administrator. His name was Bob McQuestion. And he invited me to just come by and see him one day at the church office. And and so I I did. I, I just stopped by to see him. And we struck up a conversation and he took an interest in me. He just became interested in me. He asked me questions about my life, about my faith. He would give me books. I remember he he's the guy who introduced me to E. Stanley Jones and um, gave me one of his books, The Abundant Life. And I'd never heard of E. Stanley Jones. I'd never read anything like that. I remember once he gave me a book by Hannah Weidel Smith called The Christian Secret to a Happy Life. This book had probably been written 150 years ago. And he gives me this arcane, well-worn, falling-apart little book. And I started reading it. And I'm like, where has she been? Where? <laughs> I've never heard of these. They were teaching about the Holy Spirit. They were teaching about the deeper life. And and I was thirsty. I had done well in college, but man, all the theories and ideologies, they just weren't adding up to what I was looking for. I don't know. I had a sense of being able to see through them and know there was more. Anyway, Bob McQuestion and his wife, Martha, I wound up, they invited me out to their home and and I just got to know these, you know, it's like an Edward Kimball story, like I told today in the wake-up call, of somebody who just was practicing simple obedience. They were just sort of doing the next good God thing. And um, I'll pick it up there tomorrow and tell you some of the rest of the story. It's it's really a, an amazing story. So let's close that out today. I do want to invite you tomorrow night to join us, Steve Siemens, Dan Wilt, myself. Looks like it's going to be 6 o'clock Central Time. The Zoom link's in the email today. That's going to be a good time. We're going to talk about Steve's new resource that we're, we're so, so amazed by. Follow the healer. Just be an hour, and it'll be a riveting conversation because Steve Siemens is a riveting witness of Jesus, and, of course, Dan Wilt is too. Anyway, guys, let's get our seeds. we got to hit the field for The Awakening. I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.